So with this company, we've been able to cure both of those. We've been able to make money and we've been able to travel all over the United States and Canada, Mexico, you know, picking out where we wanted to go, what we wanted to do. And, you know, if we want to change something, we'll market that area and then we'll, we'll work it. So we kind of get paid to, to go there. Hey, this is Keith Padgett and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 110. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs. And on today's episode, I'm interviewing a couple named Rob and Maureen from FameRacing.com. They are a traveling motorsports entertainment company that specializes in race-themed attractions. For over 16 years, Rob and Maureen have traveled around with racing tours, NASCAR events, staying in hotels, and juggling the maintenance of keeping up with a house. But earlier this year, they decided that their business made a little bit more sense to pile all of their equipment into a giant RV and run their business from the road. I met Robin Marine at our summit last year, and I was really interested in their business because unlike so many of the other people who I've interviewed on this podcast, their business actually doesn't revolve around being online. Of course, they have a website, they have social media, and things of that nature. It's kind of hard to have any business without those things existing, although you might be surprised. But really, for the most part, a lot of their business has taken place offline. They show up, they physically set up at events, they entertain people, and they do it all from their RV. A few specific things that we talk about in this episode is how to even get started in being a motorsports entertainment company. We also nerd out a little bit about what kind of massive RV Robin Marine had to buy to transport all of their equipment, how to plan your travels around events and use your business to travel wherever you want. And we talk about why it's important to have fun and what you do and not take yourself too seriously. Today's episode is sponsored by WeBoost and Passport America. I want to thank today's sponsor, WeBoost, and the new 4GX RV cell phone booster. This cell phone booster is something I wish we would have picked up the day we bought our RV because I can't tell you how many times over the past three years we were in truly beautiful places outside of national or state parks, but we had to leave early because there was only one to two bars of Verizon and we couldn't get any work done or it wasn't fast enough to record a podcast over Skype, which is kind of a big deal. The 4GX RV cell booster can take that signal, multiply it up to 32x, and then rebroadcast it throughout the entire RV to give us a significant boost in internet speed. This means more time in beautiful places and faster internet wherever we go. WeBoost's new cell phone booster is made specifically for RVs, and if you want to receive a 10% discount, you can reach out and email me directly, heath at campgroundbooking.com, and I'll hook you up with that discount code. Go to weboost.com to learn more about their cell phone boosters. Passport America is the original 50% discount camping club and something that has saved Alyssa and I hundreds, if not thousands of dollars over the past few years. Participating campgrounds will give you a 50% discount rate for your stay. Plus, they have an easy-to-use app that lists out nearly all of their 1,900 locations. Considering a nightly rate for a campsite could be anywhere from $25 to $100 or more per night at the fancy campgrounds, you can literally make your money back from using Passport America the first time that you use it. To learn more and receive three extra months on your first year's membership, go to PassportAmerica.com and use the discount code RVE. All right, let's get into today's show with Rob and Maureen. Thank you guys for being on the podcast. Hey, it's good to be here. Great to be here, and thanks for having us. You bet, guys. And it was good getting to chat with you guys. Uh, y'all came to our last summit, and y'all have a really interesting business that you guys run from the road. But before diving into that, I kind of want to just get a little glimpse or, I guess, 
an audio glimpse of what y'all's RV is. So what kind of rig did y'all actually buy? Because I know you have so much equipment that that was kind of a struggle figuring out how you were able to haul around your entire business. Our trailer, it's a 52-foot gooseneck, and the front 22 feet are our living quarters. Your last guy on or a couple guys ago, he had 188 square feet. We have 184 square feet is what our living quarters are. And then we have 30 feet in the back, which is where we haul our equipment for the business. And it's, so it's a vintage uh, race trailer is what it is. So before you, who was the previous owners before you guys do you know? The previous owner was a, um, he was a drag racer. Gotcha. So do you guys just have the entire back of the trailer just totally packed out with your equipment? Top to bottom, front to back. I mean, it's. <laughs> You know, nine feet tall, I've got it shelved, and um, yeah, when it's loaded, I I have to crawl to get where I need to be if I need to be in the back. Gotcha. That sounds like a skill in and of itself. Whenever I worked for a moving company in college, and a few of us guys were just the muscle, and even if we didn't have the muscle, we had to you know act like the muscle and just carry a bunch of stuff, and there was one guy <laughs> that was usually kind of the lead mover and he was the packer because it's a skill. I mean, you have to finagle, you know, the mattresses and make sure that, you know, all the, the glass glassware is properly wrapped and going into the right place. So I kind of assume that you have to develop that skill with the all trailer to move it around and get everything in there just right. Absolutely. It's something that our kids, uh, they used to say, uh, it's not going to fit. And I'm like, okay, well, what are we going to do? We're either going to leave it here or we're going to unpack and reload. They're like, okay, it'll fit. Yeah, yeah, we'll fit. We'll get it. So uh, we make it happen. <laughs> so when you when you guys tell people, uh, when you talk about y'all's business, how, how do you describe what it is that you do? That's a good question. <laughs> you know, you opened up really good, and that, that's a real, you know, clinical um, definition. But what we really do is we've got three attractions. Our flagship attractions are radio-controlled racetracks. They're, uh, if you can imagine, they're 28 feet wide. The lanes are about six feet wide, and we run eight one-tenth scale RC cars on them at a time. The cars are about 24 inches long, about six inches tall, and eight inches wide. And uh, we set these racetracks up, and we do racing shows or tournaments with them um, where people come up, and we host the races. They race our cars. We go through a tournament, award a bunch of trophies, and we sponsor brand all the cars and promote our uh, sponsors while we're doing that. So that's our first attraction. The second attraction are um, full-scale, full-size race cars with video games in them. So they're simulators. They have video simulators. We have a full-size truck, which we have on board our trailer. Our uh, crew has a full-size 410 Sprint, which is like a World of Outlaws car. And then we also have a full-size stock car on our um, on our third trailer. Our uh, third attraction is a pit stop tire change challenge where people can get down, use the air gun, and see what it's like to uh, be the rear tire changer on a racing pit crew. That's, those all sound awesome. Are you guys ever the main attraction, or do you mostly go to bigger events and you're something that people can do as entertainment at the events? Primarily, that's what we do. The fair and festival industry is our primary client, but we also do NASCAR tracks. We just did a, uh, a corporate event for um, a company that does motorized wheelchairs, and we were the feature attraction for them. We came in and took care of their um, 
it was their you know corporate party for their uh, employee appreciation. So uh, we sent a track down for that and a simulator, and they entertained the whole company all day. That's awesome. And how many tracks do you guys have? We have uh, five large ones and one small one. Gotcha. I didn't even know that RC racing competitions were a thing. Like, how did you guys actually get into this business? Like, where did all this start? Uh, it's kind of a funny story. I tell people I had a real company. And with that, we were able to, uh, we were traveling around. I had a good friend that was a big race fan. I'd never even been to a race. So we started going to the NASCAR races. And we saw a couple guys that had one of these tracks. And um, they were charging per person for it. So I was kind of standing over there counting the money and thinking, man, these guys are making a lot of money. <laughs> and this will be a great way for us to pay for our way to go to the races. Well, fast forward, we ended up um, buying one used and figuring out that whatever they were doing was what not what we were doing because we weren't making a whole lot of money. <laughs> so mm. uh, it took us a while. We kind of beat our head against the wall for a couple years till we uh, till we figured it out, and that was 16 years ago. And what was the company that you had before that? I had an auto consulting company where um, we were a uh, personal VIP car shopping service. You would pay us a fee, and you would never leave your home or office to buy a car. We would go out. We would take care of all the negotiations. We would take care of your test drives, bring the car to you and literally do all the paperwork right on your desk or kitchen table or something so you never had to uh, leave or see or be hassled by a dealer. Wow, I didn't even know that was a business. Like all these businesses that you're involved, I guess it's, I mean, it's niche to the auto industry. It kind of, even though now it's RC cars, it's still car related. And so with that business, I'm assuming it was more high-end clients who could afford to hire somebody as their middleman to basically go source them, find a good deal in a car for them. Well, it was, but we also had some lower end, um, a lot of uh, single women and things. You know, I would do women's seminars and stuff because they just didn't want to get beat up and beat over the head. So to pay me five hundred bucks to save three to five to eight thousand dollars wasn't a wasn't a bad deal. Mm, totally, that makes sense. So going back to fame racing and what you guys do now, you saw this guy uh, raking in the dough at a NASCAR race and you decided to go out. How do you even find a track that you can go buy? Because these are, these are big. It's not like you can buy them at Toys R Us. Yeah, you've got to source them. There's only, um, well, it sounds like a lot, but there's only about 400 of them that have been built. And most of them are in guys' garages because uh, they had the same thought that I did, that uh, they were going to buy this, go out and make a boatload of money, and didn't. So um, doing an internet search, I found a guy down in Tennessee that had one for sale that he wanted to get rid of, and um, we went down. At that point, we didn't even I didn't even own a truck. I borrowed my brother's pickup, and we went down to pick it up and figured out that the trailer was too big for the truck. So we ended up buying everything that the guy had. We bought, he had a 78 Chevy van <laughs> with... Uh, button tuck and shag carpet and uh so we bought the van we called it the crusty bus and uh that's where we got started bought the van the trailer the track everything wow and and what does one of these tracks run like what can you buy one for they are uh, right now they're about forty five thousand dollars for a six car operation that is just basic they send you two shipping containers and no instructions. That's why I didn't buy new from the manufacturer because there's there's no support. You've got to figure out your own total business model with it. You know, outfit your trailer, 
everything. We were glad that we bought one used because a lot of that was already worked out as far as the logistics and stuff in the trailer. The guy forced us to uh, set it up so that he could prove that it worked. So that was one of the best things that ever happened. And if I would have got two crates in, in off a of back of a truck, I don't know what we would have done. Interesting. So, I mean, that's a huge investment for actually not knowing or having no idea about this business. So did you do any kind of research and talk to like business, other business owners who are setting these things up at, at shows and at NASCAR races, or did you just decide that you're going to go buy it and figure it out? No, I, I did a full set of due diligence as much as I could. I, I put a whole set of questions out there. And of course, you know, and, and people do it to me, not all the time, but they used to, they would call and say, hey, I'm thinking about starting this business. Can you tell me all about it? Well, that's a direct competitor. So, you know, it's getting somebody to kind of share that information is is a little tough. You know, you got to convince them, hey, look, you know, you're in California and I'm in Delaware. Um, can you just tell me, is this thing, you know, does it work? Does it make money? But I was able to do enough research that I felt confident that that it was going to do something. Yeah. And what were you thinking about this whole business, Marine? Well, at that point, I had a, a conventional job, and uh, so I didn't get much time to play at the NASCAR races as uh, Rob and Sam did. And uh, so, yeah, I was uh, I was a little bit pre-Marine. <laughs> I was out in the wings, so to speak. So you, you just, I mean, for all you knew, Rob went out and bought a $45,000 uh, play race yeah. car set. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I thought, wow, that's kind of interesting. But then we did go to a uh, local festival and uh, we had our kids in tow or my kids in tow <laughs> at that point. And we saw a guy there that actually was set up um, who became a uh, direct competitor of ours. So we, we raced on his track and it was pretty interesting. I still, I was still not a believer at that point. Um, so I kept my job for a little while. <laughs> so at what point did you guys actually realize this was a business because y'all are doing how many shows right now or how many, I, I know they're not shows, but I guess events like you guys are doing that's, how many. Yeah. Go. We call them shows in, in okay. our, uh, in our industry. They're, they're shows. This year we did like um, 30 shows, but that a show events. or 30 events, but that could be a one day, four hour event to a, a 10 day or a 14 day event. It's like right now we're in for this show we're on is nine days and we'll do um, three to five shows a day while we're here. A show being for us 22 and a half minutes of, uh, of racing. Gotcha. And so at what point did you guys start to realize like this was maybe a legitimate business that you could grow and continue doing? Well, part of it, we had just gotten together. We were both divorced. We had just gotten together and it was either going to be, I was going to travel all the time and she was going to be home and the perception, and I'm sure you're a lot of your family or friends may think that too, as they think you're traveling, you're on perpetual vacation. And that's all you do. You don't work. You're just on vacation. So um, it was like, okay, are, you know, how are we going to do this? So the idea was we had done an, a few gigs that were making a decent amount enough money to where we thought, hey, if we did this full time and we just went on the road with this full time, we could build it into a viable income. And 
again, that, that was tough for about the about the first two to three years. Um, somebody gave us some really what we called sage advice. They said, look, your first year, you take any gig that you can get, whatever you can do, do it. And then your second year, throw out all the ones that, that were bad, that didn't work, or you didn't make any money at, and fill them in with new gigs. And then by the third year, you'll be doing what you want. And that was good advice. Mm, just to have that proper expectation set up that it's not all going to pan out year one or year two. Exactly. I guess Rob actually bought his first unit in November um, of, I don't even know what year it was, a million years ago. 2001. <laughs> well, he he got the unit and he immediately uh, put it into a, a mall for the Christmas season. And then I guess it was the following May is when I came on and we went uh, full time with this. We we both left our conventional jobs. And it's funny. We look back and we, we laugh about it. But our first paid gig was um, somebody's Fourth of July party. And they paid us something like four hundred dollars, four hundred dollars. We got a, a, a check and we thought, wow, we are big time now. We're going to. We're gonna really <laughs> nail this. It was uh, yeah. So it was our first uh, first paid gig was a year after that, and uh, we so. backed up into their driveway. <laughs> they had this sloped driveway. Well, by this point, the van was only running on like seven cylinders, <laughs> and so we were like pop pop pop. It's smoking, and we're backing up, and you can see the guy just thinking like, really, who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> so with with shows now though, uh, I mean, you don't have to go into super specifics or anything like that if you don't want to but what can an average show in the industry bring in like if you're going in maybe for like a three-day event and you know like going in and it's a pretty solid show like what can you or even competitors like expect to kind of make in a typical setting well our our corporate rate on an hourly basis bills at five hundred dollars an hour you know plus sometimes travel so it's five to six hundred dollars an hour with like a four to five hour minimum if you were wanting to do like a corporate show. A rate on a fair circuit can range anywhere from a thousand to three thousand dollars a day, depending on how much equipment and how many shows. So, you know, a three day show could be anywhere from four thousand to nine thousand dollars. Gotcha. That makes sense. And and you guys hire uh, a lot of help for these shows, right? Like you guys don't actually go to all 30 shows or do you? Uh, we did. Um, I think Rob and I did about 20 of them. And then we do have another guy that works for us. And he did, I guess he did about 10 of them. Some of them uh, we, we run, especially in the summertime, uh, June through September, we have a lot of double dates because of the uh, Midwest fair season. Uh, we spend most of our time in the Midwest at, at that point. So, yeah, we have to have um, at least two of us out. Sometimes there's three of us out. Sometimes Rob takes a show, Drew will take a show, and I'll take a show, and we'll all three be in different um, states. Yeah. What was it about like this whole RC racing that drew you guys in, like once you actually realized you could start making money from it, what was it that kept you around and wanting to do it for the past 16 years? The money. The money. That's it. <laughs> I love Seriously, it. Seriously, we're, we're, you know, Rob and I, we laugh about it because people, you know, come up to us and without sounding, you know, uh, I guess 
for lack of a better word, arrogant. You know, we're not hobbyists. You know, it was nothing that we ever did. We like to say we're not hobbyists, we're capitalists. And it is a, uh, it's a good living for us. And it gives us the um, freedom to do what we want when we want to be off. It's hard for us to say, oh, we want to be off July, August, and September, because that would, you know, pretty much be shooting ourselves in the foot. But uh, we like business, you know, <laughs> I mean, between the two of us, we've, we've either together or separate, we've had 11 different companies over the years. And really, it doesn't matter kind of what it is as far as whether it's a widget, or I'd never even owned an RC car before we bought this. But just the the thrill of business, the thrill of a check. For me, though, for a long time, I was a three-year guy. I was three years with the company, whether it was mine or somebody else's, and I was out. And I would change, and I, I couldn't find anything that really kept me motivated. And part of that was I, the wanderlust. You know, I wanted to go. I wanted to see. I wanted to do. So with this company, we've been able to cure both of those. We've been able to make money, and we've been able to travel all over the United States and Canada, Mexico, you know, picking out where we wanted to go, what we wanted to do. And, you know, if we want to change something, we'll market that area and then we'll we'll work it. So we kind of get paid to to go there. We're location dependent, but we have the flexibility to choose where we want to, those locations to be with our marketing. Do you guys make a point of going out and doing fun things in between shows? Like, or is it mostly a lot of just working and prepping for the shows or do y'all kind of make a point to, you know, go on various adventures or see places or eat places, uh, in between different locations? We, uh, we do our favorite, um, pastime is, is, uh, wine tasting. So that's what, that's what got you guys to Fredericksburg this past year, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It we was. loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Up and down that road. That was amazing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we, um, you know, it, it just depends. Sometimes we will finish a show on a Sunday night breakdown and we'll have to set up in another location and open Monday night. So that might not leave it, you know, too much off, but when we get a chance, yeah, we do. We like to see what the town's about. We always take our crews through and, uh, you know, if it's something interesting, we'll go downtown. Um, some of the places are just, uh, not that interesting. It's more interesting being on the fairgrounds and, uh, you know, hanging out with the the fair boards or the uh, the people in the community. But yeah, we uh, we do get a we do get some time off. We uh, spent two weeks in uh, Hawaii this year. Spent three weeks in Arizona that we were actually off in between shows. Uh, we're getting ready to go back to Hawaii in um, December for a couple weeks. We uh, spend a couple weeks in Vegas every year, uh, so it's it's not all work. A, a lot of it's fun, and really, our our work is not that hard once we are uh, down and on the ground for, you know, a series of days in a row. It's uh it's pretty it's pretty chill. Yeah, but I mean, you had to go and set up and hustle and bring in all this business and figure out the business model and everything else like that. So you kind of laid the groundwork to be able to say it's a little bit chill. Uh, so looking at you guys been doing this for 16 years now? Yeah. And most of the time you guys have been on the road. So I guess my question is why wait so long? It seems like an RV would have kind of been like a pretty clear choice early on. So what made you guys wait so long before you're like, okay, it kind of just makes sense to get an RV. Uh, so what was 
like what kind of held you back for so long before doing that? Well, I guess we uh, we have two kids, and when we started the business, they were six and ten, and uh, we had a lot of um, strong ties to Delaware uh, with family, and I didn't, you know, I didn't really want to uproot them, and uh, I certainly did not want to homeschool them. That was almost like a um, uh, a punishment. <laughs> we told them if they can't maintain, you know, uh, their A average and, you know, do all of this normal stuff in school that they're supposed to do, then they would have to come on the road with us full time and we would homeschool them. So that and then their was grades immediately spiked up. Uh, they they were. Yeah, they both uh, they both. <laughs> Our, one, the older one has graduated with his master's degree and the um, our younger one is in college um, now. So, yeah, they, they both are very, very well educated. <laughs> but I guess the unit that we would have had to have bought um, at that point, it was it was just too far out of our reach. I mean, we're talking, you know, a Super C, $400,000 and we were not making that kind of money at that point in time. Plus, we had a home. Um, and at sometimes we had two homes. <laughs> we could all four lived in oh my God, 188 no. square feet. So the problem is, is we're towing 10 to 12,000 pounds. So, you know, you're talking a 350 to 400 horse diesel to get that done. So just, yeah, the cost of that were just too, too out. Or we would have had to have two units, which, you know, again, going back and forth. Um, so in retrospect, yeah. It, it we we would have liked to have done that years ago, but um, yeah, we really just didn't. I guess we never dreamed that it uh, our our business would have taken us where it was. Hmm. Um, you know, we were not born into the fair and festival industry like many of the performers are out here on the road in in the circus or in the uh, magicians even bands for that matter, we were not born in the entertainment business. So we didn't really know that it existed. And then, um, you know, the only RVers we saw once we were out here were the ones on the carnival side. Mm. And we thought that's, that's not what we want to do. Uh, no disrespect to them at all because they're amazing, but it just, it just wasn't where we could see ourselves at that point. Um, yeah, it, it probably would have made a lot uh, better sense, but it was what it was. And, uh, you know, we, the hotel life really wasn't that bad. We, uh, <laughs> we still like, you know, hotels and, uh, you know, it's nice somebody change your sheets every day, brings you nice warm towels and uh, and that. Yeah, I see you guys are always taking, you know, a good selfie in front of a Holiday Inn Express or something yeah. like that when y'all are... When y'all are... <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they just uh, blessed us with... Uh, some uh, hefty points for our pictures. <laughs> Seriously, so just this is a interesting little thing. Uh, so if you post good pictures of the hotels that you you guys have been staying at, they'll they'll hook you up with some points. They hooked us up with some points. I've I've been pretty aggressive with the Holiday Inns and the fact that we have stayed in. Gosh, I don't even probably thirty this year. No, probably more than that. We've put our crew up and uh, just, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot. And we, um, you know, we're Spire Elite. And uh, so we've kind of made it our own uh, marketing program, I guess, for Holiday, Holiday Inn Express. 
That's awesome about the Holiday Inn. I did not know that. There's one thing, I don't know if you guys have ever been in between uh, houses or anything like that, but there's been periods of time where, like, in I guess before we moved into the RV, where I was kind of in between an apartment for a couple of weeks, kind of floating around, uh, maybe staying with some friends. And there was just a sense of, like, you, I didn't have a home. It was like a very unsettled feeling, you know, like living out of a car. Uh, and that was one thing that I've experienced when we've ever stayed in hotels, you know, from time to time, if, you know, if we're doing that for an extended period, there's a sense of like, there's not a, a home base. So, um, I would imagine that you guys are starting to feel like, how has that changed? I guess now that you have the RV is, is that mentality change or do you still, is it, do you still enjoy going to stay in hotels quite a bit? <laughs> I think for us, it, it's just been such a part of our life. What we did not enjoy was actually going back to our home uh, before we sold it. We loved our house, and uh, but it was the fact that we always had to go back and, and maintenance it. And we thought, God, if we just lived in a hotel, even if we don't have an RV, it's nothing different than we've already done for you know this amount of time for the for 16 years. However, though, what you're saying that um, the separation anxiety kind of hit me with when we actually physically divested the real estate it's because i had i had bought my first house when i was 19 years old and from there on i've always had a house a piece of real estate sometimes 10 of them and now i owned zero dirt so i had nowhere that was mine you know even though i have this rv wherever it's sitting, that's somebody else's piece of property. So that was kind of a, a transition in my mind. Um, but now it is, you know, it's like, I mean, we were just out, we were up, we went to visit our son. He lives in uh, Philadelphia. So we were up there for a week and it's like, man, when are we going to get back to the RV? You know, we've got our comfortable recliners, a comfortable bed, our stuff is here. It's just, uh, it is home now. And so um, it's it's been a change. Do you miss having uh, owning the dirt? No, no, <laughs> no, because I had to, to maintain the dirt. We would, you know, we'd go home, we'd clean our hot tub, clean our pool, cut the grass, and our friends would use it while we were gone. And and that was great. I mean, we enjoyed having a nice place that our friends could use. But the problem was when we came back home, by the time we got it put back together and ready, we had to go back on the road. So uh, it was. Uh, you know, it's not been a, a bad deal. I haven't had to, you know, cut the grass or <laughs> do anything. So, you know, we spend that time either working on the business or we spend it having fun, you know, and that was something that for years, you know, and I think that's part of kind of the struggle that I see you, you know, articulating, you know, it's just the fact of, can I really do business and have fun all at the same time? I feel like I need to be, be working. And, um, you know, I think that's part of the, if you will, the curse of being an entrepreneur that um, you just want to be building business all the time. And it's hard. To, and, and it's so if business is in you, it's not work. It's fun. It's entertaining. But it's getting that. And Maureen will talk about that maybe a little later. The balance in there, we become unbalanced because we just want to work. And then it's finding you know, that happy medium of getting some vacation and getting some downtime and stuff. Yeah, it's an interesting part of uh, y'all's business, because I know I know there's a lot of work that happens 
outside of the events, obviously, you know, you're booking shows, you're talking to clients, you're invoicing and, and doing other things uh, as well to run the business. But to some extent, um, it seems like you could, and, and I could be totally wrong, it seems like you could check out a little bit easier mentally uh, in y'all's business because it's like after the event, it's like you can walk away. For instance, like we, you know, the past few years, we, we've done a number of video shoots and you're very much there in person. And so at the end of a day, you're like, okay, I'm wiped. You know, my day is done. I can kind of clock out. But on days when I just sit behind my computer, my mind continues to run. And even if I put in a good day's work, my body is like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm just, um, for you guys, is it is it kind of easy to clock out and have that separation? Well, I, for me, it's not because it's Maureen calls it the perpetual day. You know, it's it's like I get up, I do my paperwork or I do maintenance. And then actually the show is almost relaxing for us. It's like, oh, all we got to do is show up and do our That's thing. That's because I do this. That's, yeah, she does the show. So That's kind of like me describing Rob parts of our business. I'm like, yeah, you know, this part of our business is actually really easy. And Alyssa's like, that's literally because I do all of it. <laughs> I should be high-fiving her on that one. I, I get it. I, I'm right there with her. But then once we do get it at the end of a show, once we put it on the trailer and the back goes up and it's packed, then yes, we're we're down, we're done. The beautiful thing, too, about the way our show is set up as far as a lot of other shows, it's like, you know, the guys out here, if you're food prep, you got to get up in the morning and cut your onions and, you know, do all that. If you've got animals... It's constant. You got to feed them. You got to clean up after them. You got to babysit them. We don't have to do anything with that. So when we get done, we close the doors and yeah, we are done. Yeah, I love it. When I mean, thinking about y'all's business as a whole, somebody gave you guys the advice, you know, stick with this around three years and you'll start seeing some of the results. But, you know, if there's 400 plus racetracks that have been built, and a lot of them were just sitting in garage wasting, you know, what, what has separated y'all's business from, you know, actually building up a long-term sustainable business and some of the people that uh, didn't reach that? A lot of hard work and a lot of treating it as a business. You know, it, for us, it, it wasn't just um, a side hustle on the weekend. This was going to be a business. And, you know, a lot of the guys went out and, you know, they, they wanted to follow the NASCAR circuit or they wanted it to be a cash business or whatever. You know, they didn't have contracts. Everything we've got is contracted business that, you know, we're contracted until 19 and 20 with some of our contracts. We do multiple year contracts with some of our events. So, you know, we got out, we decided to do the hard work and we continued to develop what was going on. Now, we have stayed singularly focused in race-themed entertainment where, you know, some of the other guys have moved out into moon bounces and tent rentals and things like that, and and that's worked for them, you know, but we've also not pigeonholed ourselves to just NASCAR. NASCAR went through a rough time a few years ago, and uh, if we would have pigeonholed ourselves there, we would have been out of business with a lot of guys. We've We do everything. Um, we're not excited about birthday parties, but if somebody's got the money, we'll do them. You know, we do corporate events, we do fairs and festivals, which is our biggest niche, but we can do any type of event. So just really focusing, focusing on the details, treating it like a business. And, um, I think that's, what's kind of set us apart. We're, we have a unique, we have, even though it's a niche business to start with, we have, 
our niche in that business that at this point, you know, hasn't been cloned and it works really, really well for us. A lot of our friends, they don't want to travel. Our friends being friends in that have racetracks as well. Mm. You know, we've developed good friendships with these guys and um, they don't want to travel like we travel. So, you know, they do their thing. We do our thing and we will refer business back and forth to each other if it kind of fits each other's niche better. Hmm. Have you guys ever done a uh, a wedding? Has anyone ever hired you to bring one of your tracks to a wedding? We have not done a wedding and we have not done a funeral. But speaking of weddings, that was something I, I just got to three weeks ago. I got to officiate um, some friends of ours weddings and that was a bucket oh, list cool. item of mine. So uh, yeah, that's awesome. Well, maybe maybe they should have had a racetrack there. That would have been cool. I'm just wondering if there was like any diehard racers just out of curiosity, how fast do these cars go? Well, they run on our track. They're doing about a four second lap, which probably translates to about 22 to 25 miles an hour. I mean, they'll run 55 or 60 if we turn them up, but nobody can control them. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have we regulate the speed so that it's fast enough that an adult can come up and have fun, but it's slow enough that a five or six year old can get something done. So, you know, it, it's pretty intense race in action. You'll see everything you see Sunday afternoon at the big track, you'll see on our track. You'll see cars flip over, roll over, slide into each other, you know, pass each other. Somebody will come up and do a, you know, just a, a little bump on them. It'll, they'll spend the other person out. So the action is, is exciting. And, you know, if you're out here and you hear the crowd, you hear that crowd reaction just like you would at a, at a big event. I need to come uh, check out one of y'all shows at some point. It sounds pretty fun. Oh my God, love that. <laughs> if you guys had to give advice to your 25-year-old self when it comes to business or, you know, like the pursuit of either money or, or, or happiness in your work, what, what kind of advice would you give yourself looking back? Wow. We, uh, we talk to our 25-year-old selves a lot. And, uh, <laughs> Via your kids or what? We... Uh, we <laughs> no <laughs> our own selves <laughs> yeah, we're still but, giving ourselves advice yeah you know we uh we were way too serious in our quest you know we we came from a very serious background a very corporate background where everything had to be done you know a specific way and it, it's really it was very difficult um i guess for both of us the transition to um our own company we wanted to be very corporate, I guess, in our own endeavors. And we wanted things done a specific way. And uh, there was a lot of a lot of, uh, of pressure to perform at that point. The right advice to give somebody, I guess, would be uh, make sure you have all your ducks in a row. Make sure you have money in the bank, uh, have a plan B and work hard. We didn't have any of those things. <laughs> And we were way too serious. If any of that, if any of that even makes sense, um, it sounds like we were just bootstrappers and not serious at all. But yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of fun back in the in the early days. Yeah, it's it's balance. Finding that that balance early was because we we ended up you know we stressed ourselves out a lot with things that really weren't that important. You know where we we didn't have that 
that balance. So finding the balance, you know, I think what, you know, when a lot of what you talk about is, you know, with runway and planning and things like that, you know, we didn't have any runway, our, our runway, we were going off a cliff. Mm. And, uh, so, um, there, there was no plan B, which in retrospect, in some ways, having no plan B was good because we had to lock in and we had to make it work, you know, and that might've been part of the reason that I was a three-year guy prior to that, because I always had a plan B. I could go here and do this or do that or whatever. And, you know, just the circumstances of us coming into this business were make it or break it. Or, you know, our plan B was we could always go be Walmart greeters (laughs) and, uh, you know, that, that's kind of what we figured. If, if this just doesn't work out, you know, we we had a, a house in Florida that I had a rental that was paid off. We could go down there and get jobs at Walmart, be in greeters, and we'd be in good shape. Love it. Well, uh, last question for you guys is y'all are looking forward now that you've got the new RV and you're traveling in a bit of different style. What does success look like for y'all in the business? Uh, it's funny. Um, we knew that question was coming up and we, we love that. Um, we love that and we love the answers that so many of your guests have had. I think for us, for me personally, success is, is having the choice available to us. There was a lot of time we didn't have a choice. Now we can choose whether we want to take a gig on the East coast or whether we want to stay in the Midwest or whether we want to go to, you know, the Northwest, we have that choice, whether we want to stay in a hotel and, uh, you know, travel in the city or whether we want to stay more rural and stay in the RV. We have a choice on which coast we want to see. We have one son on the West coast and one son on the East coast. (laughs) So we have a choice there. Which one do we like better this week? (laughs) Uh, depends on the weather yeah it depends on the weather california always wins (laughs) right yeah but our grandson he tops everything so but so you know the choices we we have choices um now and to me that's a success for me um and staying balanced i don't want to work every single day every single month i'll do it for two or three months straight and work but then i know i've got a a nice long vacation coming up um at the end of the year uh, so choices and balance, and if they are in um, in sync with each other, then I feel successful. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's just being able to do what I want to do when I want to do it, and uh, having the money to do that. And that's you know just again the choices, the time, the freedom that you know independence and being your own boss brings. Yeah, it's hard work, but um, just being able to do that and be free to do that that works and you know the rv life um, really works well with that as well i love it well where can people connect with you guys online and learn more and i know that y'all are also from time to time hiring and looking for rvers who can come out and be part of your show so uh where'd be a good place for people to connect with you guys well we have a couple things um they can check us out at uh www.fameracing.com f-a-m-e-r-a-c-i-n-g uh also on facebook at fast action motorsports we are also um, our blog, which sometimes I keep up with, sometimes I don't. On Facebook, Stromads, S-T-R-O-M-A-D-S, on Facebook, and uh, Instagram with all of that. I love it. Thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having us. We're so excited. <laughs> Thanks, Heath. It's been a great thing, and uh, we love following you guys. And uh, good luck with your new trip to New Zealand. That's going to be super exciting. Appreciate it. 
Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Rob and Maureen. Make sure to go hit them up on the interwebs at the Stromads. I'm recording this episode today. Uh, we are at my parents' house, Mooch Docking. We come here every year for around this time of year, around Christmas and Thanksgiving and New Year's, to be with family, slow down in our travels, and luckily they have a straight enough driveway that we can park the RV. So that is where we are right now, and then we are headed out to Fredericksburg, where we will be for the next couple months, getting ready for hosting the RV Entrepreneur Summit the end of February. We have a lot of things to do on the ground out there, but if you're going to be there, we're looking forward to hanging out with you, and if you can't make it this year, maybe next time. <laughs> but it's always great to be able to connect with listeners and anybody who has listened to the podcast. So if you listen to this and you're out on the road or we happen to roll through your area, we document a lot of that on Instagram, and occasionally I'll say it on the podcast. It's always great to meet up, and uh, every now and then we will host an occasional meetup at our campground and just say, hey, we're going to be here. We'd love for you to come out. I really just felt like riffing on that because... It's important to, you know, not just have a one-way conversation and actually get to connect because a lot of times you may listen to this entire podcast and we've never actually talked before. What's up with that? Shoot us a message, hang out with us in person, engage, and don't be a wallflower. I'll see you all next week on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.